0: This uh,
1: this is Joe Cole. This is Ruben off the cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. podcast.
0: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host Brandon Joe, and my host Dan. Again, Nick, birthday weekend, blah blah blah, celebrated, earned it. Anyways, Dan, we had Jenny Chu on for yesterday's Correct. pod, and we were very excited. Hype that 100%. one up. Curveball yeah, time throwing the slider maybe it maybe a fast never mind a knuckleball I don't know
2: well I, look we're we're big fans of the Academy the Chelsea Academy on this episode and we we try to mirror that we try to embody the vision of Neil Bath about creating the pathway for the future that that pathway from the Academy to the first team and we have editor Jake joining us in the third chair today so Jake, excited to uh have a little fun and talk a preview about southampton
3: i'm on here baby it's not just to cut off the goals in a bad match it's not just to make fun of nick not knowing where the game is <laughs> i'm on here to host baby we got this from where do the you academy where do you rank himself. uh i think i'm like 12th choice host we got uh decided in the probably fourth here
2: probably fourth
3: S- some number i don't know um <laughs> But yeah, I'm feeling like John Terry, the iconic picture of him in the big suit as a little kid signing the contract (laughs) on the pitch. That's how I'm feeling right now. I finally made it to the big times. Going to talk about a good match here. Oh, it's been
0: good. And and just for quick reference, for those who don't know, Jake is the audio editor who makes us sound reasonable and hopefully good in your, your headphones on a weekly basis. But Jake, you've been with us for how long now?
3: Uh, this, we're going on the fourth year, so I've, yeah. I've been around.
0: So we are, we're very indebted and very glad to have you on the team. And, and, you know, people should know you did, you did this summer series with Dan and Joe and there's some stuff, right. That we have. So you're not a man of mystery, but in case anyone didn't know, just put the pieces together because sometimes people are like, wait, who is this a new person? Do I need to know them? Yes, you do need to know Jake or better known as Jeremiah Ludacris as his <laughs> stage name. So. Uh, you just figure out what stage he's performing on. So anyways, we're going to be looking at uh, the Southampton match preview, right? So we'll go ahead, as always, look at how Southampton's been doing. Uh, we'll look at kind of the results, what we think their lineup's going to be, their form. Then we'll flip it and look at Chelsea again. We're doing this way before uh, Tuchel's press conference. And after the, the Juventus trip to turn, he might have some more changes. I mean, the Juventus, when he surprised all of us with three injuries and obviously again Golo Kante... Uh, testing positive for covid so that's definitely going to change our lineups uh, and then we'll make our predictions uh, at the end of it per usual Uh, but dan as we before we get into it as always we want to do the three word match preview Uh, you you called this late but like look the discord stepped up Well, yeah the the people responded you
2: know and this is what happens when you're Easily one of the top two favorite choice hosts on the Lensboo podcast. People respond when you put up the bad signal. And we got a couple of really good ones here. You know, we had Mike from IR with the Lookout Southampton. We had a motor mount, Eli with the Saints March On. We had the <laughs> Gabriel with the obliterate <laughs> odious opposition. I think picking up the alliteration front. I love it. And yeah, then Tom with the Ghost Score 5. I mean, it was really more about like the there's a lot of desire to see a Chelsea team come out this weekend who is firing on all cylinders and has a chip on their shoulder something to prove and I also echoed that with a respond route
0: mount is my three word match review our preview all right all right I put uh returning to form just seems like a good time to do that I think we should stop current momentum and reverse course Jake what about you
3: uh, I'm going with more of a plea than a preview. Uh, please, Mason, please. Uh, I'm tired of him being gone. I miss him. It's getting a little scary. And uh, I think we need that momentum in the midfield. I can't lie.
0: Wouldn't it be concerning if Mount comes back, we thrash Southampton, everyone goes, that guy, that take, man mark him, oh, get dude. rid of him. Like, What if like everything really hinged on Mason and no one really realized it until now? And now they're just going to man mark and eliminate him out of the game that that's something we're going to have to deal with. You know, I'd love that headache to have to figure out if that's true or not by Mason returning to the lineup. So we'll see what we predict later, but Dan, some Southampton preview time. Uh, Are they really winless? Yes, that is, that
2: is true. This is, this is a fact of the known universe, or at least this, this iteration of the multiverse, but they have two losses so far. And then the remainder are draws, you know, when you kind of look at the fixture list they have, just for uh, those who maybe don't know how Southampton played this season but know about Tino Libermento, Everton starting the season, 3-1 loss. They draw with United at home. They draw away to Newcastle 2-2. nil-nil draw versus West Ham at home. They draw Man City, which is probably the most impressive result of the bunch. Mm. And then because, you know, they had to have a little bit of a hangover after that, they lose to Wolves 1-0. So that's kind of how it's been for them so far. But in general, not a impressive run of fixtures from Hassan Hasenhutl's men uh, as it relates to, you know, where they're at this season, Jake.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is—they're uh, a weird team. I feel like they're just— defending their hearts out and that's about all they got um which is interesting because some some of the attack on this team I mean Armstrong has promising moments he seems like a good striker I I wouldn't be surprised if they start to get these goals going later in the season but right now I think it's all about their defense and we're just gonna have to break that down and uh you know something we struggled with in the past we'll see how that goes
0: let's see what is their their goal difference they are minus three so they've I think scored four, conceded seven. Yes, can confirm. Um, so you know, not not great from them. Probably may, maybe a clean sheet. Oh yeah, United right zero zero draw. That's probably their big city. F- city that was probably their big um, result of the season so far. But uh, definitely nothing right home about yet. It's funny. I think Dan most Chelsea fans probably look at Southampton favoringly, especially with Tino Levermento asserting himself in the starting lineup even though we don't own his contract anymore uh but because of that i feel like i had a false sense of positivity about Samton, southampton when in reality it's not as great as probably as a team they want like just because tino broke into their lineup doesn't mean they're having a great season yeah that, that would be the accurate way to look at it you know they have
2: you know some former uh former Chelsea action in Romeo, right so they've got him in the lineup and he's played all matches for them so far this season in the Premier League i mean Armando Broja is there mm-hmm. also on loan like we kind of have to, you know me all the talk about Tino let's forget we actually have a player who's signed on a long term contract with Chelsea who's gotten 87 minutes uh, so far most in cameos over uh four appearances that he's made this season uh but in general like A side that, you know, is averaging less than an expected goal per game, you know, so 0.6 and they're conceding well over one close to 1.2 goals a game. So even though it's a little stretched in that regard, I think the Newcastle match in the Everton match throw those numbers a little out of whack, they've kind of stabilized um, in the last three matches. I don't think they're that great of a team and I'm not trying to like doom us to a terrible result here, but in general, like they are not the Southampton that are kind of flying high them in previous years. They've continued to sell players for a premium restock with cheap talent and that has worked for them. But I think in the modern Premier League, it can only work so long because right now they are just. Sitting in a, a little bit of a precarious position on the table as it relates to where they would like to be, which is more in that you know upper mid mid table kind of situation, and right now they are uh, dangerously close to that grouping near the bottom.
0: Well, you're not going to hear me complain about that. I would love an easy result and fixture uh, as we are now two losses in a row, albeit Manchester City and Juventus on the road. You know, so it's not like we lost to West Brom and. In- Who's the other team that always beat us? Oh, Bournemouth. So it, it could be worse. Um, you know, but look at some of the results lost 1 0 to to Wolves recently. Drew Man City, Drew West Ham. To be fair, those are probably two pretty good draws for them. Uh, Southampton and Newcastle 2 2, United 1 1, and then losing to Everton first match of season 3 1. So, I, I mean, they keep it close, right? Outside of the Everton match at the beginning of the season where they got blown out kind of 3 1. They, they definitely are going to keep it tight and, and defend as best they can. Um, but, you know, overall, they're they're still conceding, you know, over a goal of match, and they're only looking to score about .67. So I think that there's a lot for them to kind of have figured out when it comes to their balance. Um, I, I was looking at their team stats, guys, and th- there's not a lot to really write, write home about when it comes to, you know, leaderboard stats for them. Yeah, we're not... You know, we've talked how many different goal scores we have, Dan? Like 11 on the team. Um, you know, that's true. Armstrong won, Mohamed Elunusi won, James Ward Prowse won. They only have, Che Adams has one assist. That's it.
3: Um, a goal for Fred as well. Shout out to Fred. He scored an own goal in the United game. So, <laughs> so I mean, he'd be favorite. on the
0: leaderboard is is, is, is kind of the, the point, right? Um, so, you know, I. I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not too worried about it as as it stands right now um but does that mean I'm just being lulled into my own trap Dan? <laughs> I know you said you didn't want to jinx it before but if we're being very objective about it, is this one of the things where are you gonna get a response from Chelsea where they say no 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 it stops now great opportunity go at them smash them or do Chelsea come into this one feeling bad for themselves at Stanford Bridge and Southampton are up for it because they haven't played in a week? It's a tough one. I would
2: hope that the reaction and response from this Chelsea team from Tuchel is to really put the foot on the gas in this match and come out at home in front of a full Stanford Bridge. Uh, you know, sometimes still, like we gotta think it's early in the season. Uh, for many people, this might actually even be like the first game that they're actually back. In the stadium, getting a chance to sing, getting a chance to see old friends for the first time, uh, maybe their first trip to Stanford Bridge. Like, you just want a response. Like, the this is only the second time under Tuchel's reign where we've had two back to back losses. The first time being the loss to Arsenal and then the loss in the FA Cup final versus Leicester last season. Like, we don't do back to back losses quite frequently. And so to get a, Even a draw, I think, is just not a satisfactory response in this regard. Like, this has to be a win, particularly, Jake, if we are saying that we are title contenders and not title pretenders, you have to win against the Southampton side that's currently flirting closer to relegation than mid-table.
3: Yeah, the reality is we need to win any of these games against these kinds of teams. Uh, If we really want to compete for the title, especially after the City loss last week, it's... The reality now, we have to win these games. We can't pull the classic Chelsea West Brom Southampton many years ago um, in the Liverpool title race year with City. Uh, we can't do that again. That can't be the Chelsea mantra this year. We have to put these games away. And um, I'm honestly going to this game pretty confident. I think that we've gotten really unfortunate. Uh, the City game, I think Tuchel got a little too in his head. Those those four wins against Pep got to him. He wanted to play the Mourinho, get the draw, and move on. And then, obviously, we had some turmoil this week with injuries and illness with Conte. So I'm hoping that those were flukes. I'm hoping we can move on. I hope we can get back to the solid Chelsea team. We all know. Um, I, I will say I think Southampton's going to give us a little trouble. Um, but I think if we break through with a goal, it's, it's, it's going to be a breeze from there on.
0: For what it's worth. For the record, Southampton have played 4-4-2 in all but one match where they played a 4-1-4-1. So I think that'll be something a little bit different for us to deal with. I think seeing Brentford do that against Liverpool and having the two attackers mess with their back line is something that Chelsea are going to have to adapt to. But again, nothing that we shouldn't be able to overcome. So we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, uh, we're going right into the Chelsea side of it and then the predictions and then the Chelsea youth update. So thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. We'll be right back. All right, so... Chelsea News, we don't know, all right? So take whatever we're going to give you today and pair that with Tuchel's press conference that you're probably about to listen to. Um, But all all intents and purposes, it didn't look like we had any injuries coming out of the Juventus match. Um, You can decide if people are getting subbed because they were fatigued or for tactics. We'll let you decide that. Um, But how do you view this, Jake, in the sense of, We've now played quite a few matches. It's the last match before an international break. Do you still kind of throw out the strongest possible 11, or do you think that Tuchel might, in general, look at this as an opportunity to continue to rotate and maybe offer minutes for guys, maybe like a Ruben Loftus-Cheek or a Callum Hudson-Odoi or even a Trev Chalaba who showed well in Juventus, but we haven't really seen much that of them this season.
3: Yeah, I think personally I went a little uh, middle of the road here. Um I think this is clearly a game where we're going to need the experience. Uh, two losses, you know, your team starts to get a little frazzled. You need the guys out there who are used to battling those moments. So I would love to see Silva. I would love to see Thiago Silva come in. Our, our, our usual back line really is there for me. Um, but I do think that with Ruben in this team, we've kind of seen some new attacking threats, um, especially if we can get Mason also back in this team. I think he could be a huge addition to this team. Um, so I'm hoping that we'll at least see him come in for the swap, get a little rest in that midfield, which has been through a lot, not often rotated. So we'll see. We'll see what else uh, Tuchel has in his in his sleeve for the attack. But I, d- I don't suspect much different than what we would expect from the big boys up top.
0: Dan, big guns, young guns? I think it's a, a bit of a mix.
2: I think there's some young guns there. I mean, I went with Mendy in the sticks, then Christian Silva, Rudiger. Aspi, Jorginho probably gets pulled early because the plan is that he gets an opportunity to then start the weekend. Kovacic plays the full 90, so he probably rests. That means enter one Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Chilwell, I think, would start as well, in my mind. I think you want to give maybe Alonso a little bit of rest. He's looking a little haggard at the time. And then if Mount is healthy, I think Mount is a, a definite start. Lukaku is going to be probably a permanent start for the majority of the season. And then I'm I'm putting Werner up there. Like, I I get the situations where you want to, like, play Kai into of form. He's looked a, a, a little out of it. And, you know, say what you want about Timo Werner. Like, the man will run all day long. Like, the man will help create space. And, like, we are going to need to find ways to generate positive space to play the ball into. And I think if you add... The physicality and forward play of Ruben, Mason, and Timo kind of into this lineup. I think that injection is gonna help spell a really positive result in this match.
0: So if you again, if they're 4-4-2 and we go with two attackers, that's gonna really press their back line. They've got Sileso and Bednarak um, you know, in their back line. Let's let's dance a little bit, right? Let's let's put them under pressure and see see what they can do, um, That that is going to be an absolute handful for them, right? So at 22, right? So, I mean, I'm not saying he's a good player, but not experienced. I mean, Lukaku would just be excited to try to body him up and, and run. Uh, Bednarak, 25, obviously he's, um, you know, new as well to the league. So I think this is a great opportunity, to your point, to have two experienced uh, strikers running at two inexperienced, uh, center backs. And then obviously you've got Kyle Walker, Peters, potentially, uh, v- Tino, right. Uh, is going to be there. No offense, not experienced. You're going to want to run at him, And so they have just a very young team, uh, that you would expect that, uh, these guys are going to run at. So I actually have the exact same team as Dan minus one thing. Uh, I'm really pu- pushing for Chalaba to get in. I think it'll be Chalaba Christiansen Rudiger with uh Silva getting a rest. He's played quite a few matches. I think it's a fair shout. I, I think it's a really like yeah. I mean,
2: I I'm not I'm not anti that in any capacity. I think that that right. could totally be a reality.
0: It couldn't agree more. A, a prediction, right? And and that's what's nice. So like I said, I, I'm thinking maybe Silva just need might need a break. This is a great one to give him a break. Plus I think he has to travel on this international break. So you're gonna lose him anyway. So um, I just think he's going to want to play for his national team. And if he plays three matches in a row, essentially, because Reese got hurt early, uh, he's not going to be in probably great shape for Brazil. So we'll see what that kind of relationship is. Um, but I think Chelsea will do them a favor because they didn't pull him for the last time. And therefore he was available for us. So
3: uh, just a uh, note, I have Alonzo back in the squad. You do. I just wanted to share that. I just... I, I think it's part of the thing is that we, like you said young outside backs and it's gonna be such a point of attention I, I would love to see him just tear it up uh, that's that's all just wanted to know okay
0: <laughs> who so we bought you a kit whose name went on the back? I,
2: oh my gosh you just, you just like broke down mentally like <laughs> I think you got so confused by where to go
3: it is a conte <laughs> kit I will say okay I i I I love Conte too much, but I just, it, I don't know, something about Alonso this year, man. God, he's yeah. so entertaining. I just want it back in full force in a prime game again already. I think after all the messiness, that's what we need, right? Just another Alonso masterpiece, right?
0: Look, <laughs> uh, if he plays, we want that Alonso, right? I, I think that's a given. We're just worried that the, the last. 90 minutes against City and 45 minutes against Juventus was Shh. not typical Alonso that you want to see.
2: I don't need Alonso and Tino Livermento running at each other cuz I don't <laughs> think Marcus Alonso wins that battle. Just he's just not going to take thought. that
0: battle. He's going to be up at half field waiting for the pass to release. <laughs> he's going to be counter. right
2: behind Lukaku.
1: He's gone. <laughs> yeah.
0: He like Rudiger. Uh-huh. I'm up here. You just Okay, uh, score predictions. This could be interesting. I put two nothing. I'm trying to not be greedy. I want to be modest. Chelsea are not flying at the moment, so I think a two nothing victory is a great, fair result. It would appease the fans, um, and it's it's nothing cocky or arrogant. Jake, what about you?
3: Um, I have Southampton scoring, hmm. and um, if you've been following the the, the score lines lately. You may have noticed a little trend if you if you follow the meme pages on Instagram. We really like to concede biblical goals. And with this game against the Saints this weekend, I can't help but wonder if this will be one of these fluky moments where Chelsea gives up a goal that we definitely shouldn't. Uh, but I have us winning 3-1. So it's pretty positive. I think once we score a goal, this game is out the window for us. I think we, we have it in our hands, but again, a fluky goal. I could see it happening. It's the saints. It's, it's in the stars.
0: Well, I would, I I just was looking at some headlines real quick and it. It sounds like Adam Armstrong will not be able to, to feature through injury or some other reason. So I wonder if, uh, that might make our lives a little bit easier. So go ahead, Dan, say your cocky, arrogant thing that you want to say. It's not cocky. We need a statement victory before the
2: break. We need to steady the ship. We need to show that we are capable of rebounding appropriately. And Chelsea need to win for nothing. And I think they could. Well, all right, <laughs> all right. all I right. I mean, look, 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 this is that's just it. Chelsea need to win. We talked about the beginning. We're talking about it at the end as we sandwich it. Like,
0: I'm not here to argue. Go big. I'm just just giving you enough airtime to uh, say we have to say and let the people respond to it i think that that was important to let that one breathe that's all uh an inconceivable prediction for this one i'm gonna put a timo goal i know it's a bit rude i think a conceivable prediction is that he gets an assist but i'm gonna say no he's gonna bag it this time uh dan what about you i went with a uh on the back of
2: a hopefully timo and lukaku positive partnership i think they both get braces hmm. i that'll be that'll be my crazy off the wall prediction
3: <laughs>
2: I, let uh,
0: it, let it breathe just let it breathe.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Look, if it did if it did come true, you all would love it. So you know what? I don't care. I don't care for the smarm. I don't care for the smart like smart alec responses, you're good. It's okay. All
0: right. You're gonna put, <laughs> put your money where your mouth is and put Lukaku in your fantasy team? Ooh. He's in my fantasy team. Oh. What about Timo?
2: Oh Ooh. Timo's not, no. Oh. I, I don't I don't have the funds for that.
0: <laughs> hey man, that would be a huge You're, you're just upset
2: that I'm beating you.
0: All right. I, you know, I was being nice about it. You had to go there. Jake, what about you, sir?
3: Uh, I have Southampton actually scoring. Uh, again, I, I'm giving them a goal. Uh, the Saints mantra, something's going to happen there. Uh, and it's not going to be an own goal. There's no Fred in this game. So I think our boys are better than that. I think they'll actually score. I don't know how. It could be anything. But it'll happen. If it's, right. ch- if, if it's anything like Chelsea's history, it'll be a screamer from like half field. We'll see, a Charlie a Adam. <laughs> we'll see a Charlie Adam banger from behind the halfway line again. He'll come back. <laughs> don't
0: need that. I mean, the good news, right, is Broja won't be able to play. Um, it looks like Diallo, a young French midfielder, is probably going to get in. Uh, he's also 22. It's just a very young squad. You know, I don't think you have to worry about the former Chelsea player scoring against us in uh goodness. As an outside back, I think it's probably good. Money that he's not going to score, but look, you, you never know. Never bet I, against that. I could see Redmond doing something, he's usually pretty knowing against us, or James Ward Prowse on a free kick. If you had to force my hand into predicting why your outrageous prediction might come true, but uh, I think that's good for us on the Southampton preview. Uh, let us know again if look, if you're listening to this and you want to talk about this and you want to talk about why you think damn predicting for nothing is just crazy talk, you got to get in our Discord, like it's a plug but it's true. It's real. That's where all of our conversations pre-match, during match, post-match go down. Um, So if you are fired up and excited and ready after listening to this preview, go to our Patreon page and get involved in the Discord server. But before we go, we are going to pitch it to myself and uh, Phil at Chelsea to give you an update. We had the the dev squad, the 19s, the 18s, and the 17s all played in the last week. So we have updates for you. Here we go. All right, here we go with the Chelsea Youth Update, the weekly update that covers everything coming out of the academy down in Cobham. Uh, Welcome back, Phil. We really
1: appreciate your expertise, sir. Good to be back. Uh, We've got four games from the last week to catch up on, so let's waste no time and get stuck into it.
0: And not only four games, four different teams, which I think is important. So we'll start with the old men and work our way backwards to the young kids with the dev squad. Um, I actually got to catch this, and it was a 4-3 match against Liverpool that, honestly, if you would have told me at halftime how things are going with uh, the soft goals going in things like that, I was like, woof, this team is about to continue their losing streak, which we kind of previewed the week before. But an absolutely heroic effort that saw them come back and win 4-3. And credit to where it's due, sir, I think when it got to 3-3, you said, we're going to win this. And they sure did.
1: Yeah, we were talking throughout the game and you could just sense that the momentum was shifting Chelsea's way. It was it, like you said, it looked like all, for all the world as if it was going to follow suit from the, the games in previous weeks where they lost at Manchester City and then they'd lost heavily to Arsenal. and. They, they had a decent first half but then Liverpool scored twice in the first 10 minutes of the second and so heads can drop and you can start to think oh here we go again but credit to them they fought back well Andy Myers made some positive substitutions that impacted the game particularly the introduction of Joe Hague who scored and had a big hand in the uh, stoppage time winner um, and it was it was the sort of performance that they've been looking for and trying to be fight back it was a slightly more experienced team than in previous weeks so George McEachern came back in and notably Lewis Baker had a 90 minutes and Charlie Musonda had his first hour in more than two years, so it was really good to see him back on the field, uh, and hopefully it could be a turning point in the season because there was uh, a lot of positivity for a lot of them to take away from it. Xavier Simons had uh, ninety minutes at right back, got the match-winning assist. That was his first ninety minutes in more than a year, and yeah, it, w- it was a really positive way to start the footballing week for for Chelsea.
0: Right. So look, change the formation back four as well. You bringing in, in Meckheren, Musanda and and Lewis. Did that make it more difficult or is bringing in a player like uh, Lewis Baker and Charlie Musanda, probably more Lewis, right? He definitely has much more professional minutes under his belt, but even a player of Musanda's elk to come in, um, does that help? Or do you think that that's actually more disruptive, which makes this even more impressive?
1: It, it- it can vary depending on the player depending on the team so for last season roughly around this time the development squad had baba raman and danny drinkwater playing for them and it's not so disruptive because these these boys are training with the development squad every day as well so it's not like they're just being transplanted from the first team squad coming in cold and they don't have a an affinity or a, a, a cohesion about them so they'll be training together and, and they're academy graduates as well so i don't think it hinders them necessarily in misonda's case having been out for two years obviously you have to ease him back in and get the minutes but it's his responsibility to be up to speed you understand that he might not be immediately someone like Lewis as you said he's 26 years old he's had several professional seasons under his belt at a high level so he'll come in he's got high standards of professionalism he played well and you can lean on those players in tough times as well they've been there and they've seen it at different levels so when you are 3-1 down Lewis, you could see him. He was, his head didn't drop. He can take control. He got the assist for the second goal to bring them back into the game and was always there as sort of go to him if, if you're not quite sure what to do, if you, if you need someone, a, a, an old head, as it were. And, When you've got players, like you say, it was a a change to a back four, but it wasn't just a change to a back four. It was with fullbacks who aren't fullbacks. Simon's is a midfielder who's been playing as a right-sided centre half, but played fully right back in this game. Lewis Hall played at left back. Now we've seen him a little bit a wing back, but he is most often a central midfielder, uh, a number six or a number eight type. And credit to Lewis, he had a fantastic game at left back, scored the winning goal deep into deep into stoppage time. And when you're moving these parts around and getting players playing in positions that. They don't ordinarily play having someone like Baker and someone like McEachran, who's approaching 150 academy games and I think has played more games at this level for Chelsea in this era than anybody else has. You do have that level of uh, that that bar to fall back upon with players who've been there and seen it and can pull you back into matches.
0: Well, obviously, at at a minimum, go watch the highlights. The comeback was unreal. It was not easy. Uh, Liverpool did well, did a really good job in this match. Um, but the the heart and just the pushing never stopped from the the Chelsea boys. And it was honestly it was great to see. And especially what a great way to get your first win of the season was like, you know, with with inspiration. So they'll definitely take that that momentum and energy and run with it, which which you love to see. Um as we kind of go down the the list here, the U 19s actually just finished playing. They are in Turin. Uh, playing, They played Juventus, just like the men's team we've been talking about this.
1: Um, they they won their first match, right? They won 3-1 against Zenit uh, four That's nights right. ago at Cobham, and they lost 3-1 here in Turin with many of the same players who played against Liverpool, but without some of the older heads that we were just talking about. And so it's an under-19 age group competition. Chelsea weren't as young as they were against Zenit, but it was a frustrating game because they sort of fell into Juventus's trap a little bit uh, they had the chances they didn't take the chances Juventus then did take the chances and crucially not for the first time this season Chelsea conceded right on the stroke of half time to turn a 1-0 deficit into a 2-0 deficit which then changes the way you approach the second half and it definitely changed the way that Chelsea approached the second half because they brought on Two substitutes at half-time, and by the hour mark, they had four forwards on the pitch, four n- proper strikers. They weren't all playing as strikers, but when you had Jude Sunsup Bell, Brian Fiamma, Malik Mothersill, and Ronnie Sutter all on the pitch, and then Jaden Wareham came on for Sunsup Bell a bit later on, you're, you're basically going hell for leather at that point. And the intention was to try to force Juventus into mistakes at the back, high press, don't let them play out. And then take the risks on the counter-attack. And it worked and it didn't work. So Chelsea did get back into the game. Jay Wareham scored with pretty much his first touch. But you know you're going to take risks and let them come on the counter-attack. They gave up a few chances that weren't taken. Two minutes from time, one was taken. It's 3-1. So it doesn't matter if you lose 2-1 or 3-1 at the end of the day. Um they, took, they, they 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 gambled, but they didn't quite look as cohesive as Juventus did, especially in the first half. They were playing the 3-4-3 that we know. They didn't stick with the the back four from the Liverpool game. And Juventus were able to nullify the wing-backs and essentially force Chelsea's front three of Sunsat Bell, Harvey Vale and Joe Haig into a lot of solo individual work rather than having support from wide areas, or having support from the midfield too. And maybe that's why they went striker heavy in the second half because... At that point, it was all about volume and trying to get away way back into the game. But it's not all over by any means. It's only match day two in the group. And they've got Malmo home and away, just like the first team will at the end of October and at the start of November. Uh, Malmo lost in the last minute against Zenit today but did take points off Juventus in match day one. So Juve now have four points, Chelsea's and it have three, and Malmo have one. It's a very tightly fought group. But if if they were to get six points out of six against Malmo, then they're looking good for qualification to the knockout stages. Right.
0: And, you know, like you said, they they gambled, they went for it. Where the super sub, right? You know, coming off the bench, being a hero multiple times in one week,
1: yeah, it's, it's interesting on him because I think a lot of people forget because he only joined the club uh, officially sort of in March. But he's one of the few players in the group who has professionally, not, I wouldn't say professional experience to his name, but he's played men's football. He played for Woking in the National League last season and uh, he played maybe a dozen times, scored a couple of goals. But he's got that experience of knowing what it takes to play for meaningful points. Every, uh, uh, at the senior level and he's coming back into academy football now and you can see he's got the tenacity and he's got the work rate and the work ethic but he's also he, he, what's the term he smells goals he gets into the those dirty areas in the six yard box he scored one here against Juventus he knows how to put the ball in the back of the net he knows where he needs to be and he hasn't necessarily had the minutes that he's deserved so far this season i wouldn't be surprised if over the few coming games that he starts to uh, to get a few more because he's he's scoring the goals and if he's not scoring goals that he's making life harder defenders yeah no <laughs> I, I absolutely i mean you almost find him in like the
0: alonso positioning right like on the back post on the left side or you know today the ball dropped to him you know on a i think it was a botched corner kick and he was just right there and calmly put it away inside the six. So uh, that's a poor man's Alonzo reference coming from me. So I apologize. And then we have an 18s match, right? So we've done the Dev Squad, the 19s, down to 18s. Remember, this is the team that I've been hyping up every week, Phil. They're flying high. They're scoring a ton of goals. They're conceding a handful, but they're just running, running, running. Finally, we're halted by Leicester City,
1: losing one to nil. Yep, and so they were inevitably going to lose that 100% start at some point. So now it's important to see how they react this weekend against West Ham. The, The Leicester performance wasn't all that bad. They played well. They had a lot of chances, particularly in the second half. Some days those chances go in. Sometimes they don't. They got caught with a sucker punch, a long goal kick over the top. Kian Pennant, England under 17 striker, races onto it and finishes pretty well. Leicester, as um, as I hinted at last week, they're a much better team this year than I think people give them credit for. And especially much better than last season. They keep it tight. They don't score many, but they really don't concede many. So it was always going to be the odd goal here or there to decide it. They got the edge of it. Fair play to them. But Chelsea are still pretty well positioned moving forward this season. Um, and, yeah, it's it's a deep and talented group. There was a, a bit of rotation, a few players coming back into the team this week after a couple of games out. Luke Badley-Morgan played, Josh Tobin played. And there'll, there'll be plenty of players that uh, are competing for minutes moving towards Youth Cup season when the the, the third-round ties come out in December. So I wouldn't be surprised uh, if they pick up where they left off uh, and against West Ham this week and, and go on another winning run because they're a good team.
0: No goals. These are my boys, right? They're averaging four to five a game. It wasn't for the lack of trying here, though. (laughs) So, and and then we even have a U-17 game. But again, with all these matches, a group going to midweek to Turin, I'm assuming there's a decent, I mean, and then you saw Musanda and Lewis Baker and McEachern with the Dev Squad. Again, more
1: rotation through this team, or was this pretty much the usual group? So for the 18s, uh, they, they, they were able to welcome back a few players. Like I said, Tobin and Badley Morgan hadn't played in the last few weeks. Badly Morgan hadn't played since pre-season. Uh, Alfie Gilchrist came on for the last half an hour. He's, he hadn't played since the 7-2 win at Tottenham. Uh, Edwin Anderson came on for 15 minutes after a couple of weeks out, but he also played in the under 17s game that we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and a few others have been consistent throughout the season, like Richard Elise and, uh, and Billy G and Leo Castledine. Um, they're going to be the, the core of this 18s team. And the season does become stretched sort of in the second half when you factor in the Youth Cup and the knockout stages of the UEFA Youth League if you happen to get there. But right now, the the, the course of the 18s seems to be taking shape. You've, they've, they've moved up Lewis Hall and Brody Hughes to the development squad already, and some others will join them in due course. Silco Thomas seems to be the one who's bridging across both groups He's had some development squad minutes, he played uh, 75 against Leicester here and then 90 against Juventus today. And he'll move up uh, as other players come back and there's more options at wing back. But for for four teams to be playing games across five days is really not easy to manage, which is why the under-17s against Brighton on Tuesday evening resembled essentially an under-16 team. Uh, Ashley Cole took charge of the match, for example, because it's it's his group. Uh, the only non-schoolboys involved were Anderson, the goalkeeper, Sammy Clemsani, and Sam Raksaki. Uh, they went down 4-2 at home to Brighton, who are the defending champions, and played a much more experienced team themselves. Not not dramatically so. They, they played what would look like an under-17 team for them. Uh, So maybe a year or two of age on on balance. Chelsea's got Anderson scored for Chelsea and Tyreek George, uh, who's an England under-16 international, scored a lovely free kick in the second half. But Brighton were were decent value for the win. They had a 14-year-old striker score twice, which was terrifying for those of you who are getting on in years, um, myself included. Um, But their manager was, was fairly honest. He said that both teams could have had half a dozen goals and they took their chances and Chelsea didn't. That's the way that match went. But they've got Reading and Southampton in the group and two wins will are getting through
0: so one you said billy g earlier um what yes we have a billy g and we have a billy g <laughs> got it um and then two this is the first time we've talked about the u17s um i guess
1: yeah it's 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 a weird one because last season they inaugurated this cup having put the under 18 and under 16 ones on hold the Under-18 Cup is the one that Chelsea beat Blackburn in last weekend, and they have won previously under Jody Morris's management. Because those were intra-regional, at the height of the pandemic, they didn't want teams moving around the country unnecessarily, so they reintroduced they introduced an Under-17 version where everything was regionalised. And with the season getting back to normal this time, we now have an Under-18, 17 and 16 version of the competition. The 18s and 16s mirror each other, the 17s doesn't. It's, it's good for the games program in a way because it's another competition for a bunch of players who might not get the minutes that they need, particularly first years and budding under-16s. But as you've seen for this Chelsea group over the last few days, they had a game on Friday, they had a game on Saturday, they had a game on Tuesday, they had a game on Wednesday. It means a little bit more squad planning and a few younger players are going to be involved. So Chelsea had an under-15 in the match day squad last night, it didn't come on, but it it'll be good for them. You just might not see them able to compete on every single front.
0: Sure. So that's interesting. So realistically, our listeners should know about a dev squad, the 19s, the 18s, the 17s, and the 16s.
1: Yes, but with more greater prominence and greater focus and attention on the older players. The 16s and the 17s you'll get to know in years to come. They will come through. (laughs) Some of them have already started playing for the under-18s a little bit this season. So Caden Wilson has played a few games at centre-half. Michael Golding's been playing midfield. Reese Russell-Denny's been playing in midfield. And as we've seen in in years gone by, if you're good enough as an under-16, occasionally as an under-15, you will be promoted to play at the youth team level, occasionally under-19 level, and you'll get the minutes that you need to continue challenging you as you progress through the age groups. And They've, they've started sprinkling these guys in early in the campaign. And I think you're only going to see more and more of them as, as the season wears on, both from a talent perspective and from a scheduling point of view. Got it. So, can you name the next John Terry out of the sixteens? No, I'm just kidding. We won't play that. Yeah, I, I don't do that. It's, it's a question that I've never answered on social media uh, over the years. It's yeah. like, who's the best player in this age group? Well, I mean, firstly, that's just my opinion, but also right. unnecessary. It, we, we, it's unnecessary. Let, let them let them emerge. And even when they're at levels that we're talking about, who's the best player in the development squad? Well, I've got preferences, but yeah, what's the best player? Am I picking the best defender? Am I picking the best midfielder? Who am I picking? It's it's a it's a team. They're individually. Technically, and- tactically. Exactly. <laughs> yes. and, and even if we were to get into that debate, if you'd have asked that question going back five years, six years, whatever, who's the best defender in the under 18s? Not very not very many people would have necessarily picked someone like the Tomori. He wasn't necessarily a late developer, but he wasn't outstanding. He played right back for a long time in that team. And as as you come along and as you, you hone your craft and you hone your game you test yourself at the higher levels you can tick those boxes off some players don't tick it quite easy quite as well
3: yeah uh,
1: it's, it's all subjective at the end of the day but I, I generally refuse to answer the question of who is the best player in this team
0: and it ebbs and flows right life very similar to a football career is not linear you're gonna have ups and, oh, and downs. you know we're not winning player of the week or man of the match every single week because it doesn't always come off and sometimes you got to play the team role and other times you're the all-star it just kind of clicked for you that day so uh who knows depends on what your manager and, and coaches are asking you to do as well which this is that's probably the biggest thing is we don't know what these guys are really telling these um you know the younger players to do because they're again focused on developing these players not necessarily making sure that they're um you know cut in the same cloth as Jorginho, Kante, Kovacic when it comes to midfield they're going to be their own version of it yeah they,
1: they develop well-rounded footballers so they'll try to develop a central midfielder who can play as a six an eight or a ten Makes or in sense. a double six or whatever you can you that's it, you, you educate well-rounded footballers so that when you play in a different system or the manager changes formation or when you move clubs, you're prepared for it. And one of the nicer analogies I've seen over the years about a a player's journey and a player's career is it's a little bit like uh, an airplane flight. You have, uh, you start and a finish point and a general route to get there. But during that route, you're going to be at different levels of elevation. You're going to be up, you're going to be down. You may have to take a slight detour or a change of course, but you will get there. Mm -hmm. And that, that journey is going to be different for everybody. But uh, like I say, Chelsea focus on developing a well-rounded footballer. There's plenty of games to go this season, um, and, you know, and we're back to it this weekend. We've got West Ham for the 18s on Saturday. We've got Blackburn for the development squad on Sunday, and it's coming thick and fast. Honestly, it's it's we we. It's funny when we were talking about playing this, there was no shortage of content.
0: Uh, for us to to be able to discuss, which is exciting because we're going to be doing an, an hour long special soon, kind of about like the structure of the academy and how that compares to other academies in England. Because I think a lot of people don't realize there's actually different levels and it doesn't come down to if you're in the Premier League versus championship. So uh, a lot more to come. We're going to be diving deep, using those times to deep dive on some different things and, and really help educate everyone about the world of academy football. But Phil, thank you so much as usual, sir. Enjoy your weekend. It sounds like with four matches, for Chelsea to watch. Yep. Classic. Let's hope for four wins. <laughs> All right. Well, let's go back to the boys, which is, again is probably me and we'll wrap. All right. And the magic of editing by you, Jake, we are back to wrap this one up. I did it. <laughs> we hope you did. You're actually predicting your, your future actions. So, uh, you just, uh, made a little bit of pressure for yourself. Um, but look, as we wrap the youth Academy, a little, a little bit of a rough start, the U-19s lost to Juventus. Uh, the U-17s lost. The U-18s lost their first match of the season, one nothing. They were the ones high-flying, beating Spurs 7-2. Uh, but the Dev squad got their first win 4-3 over Liverpool. Absolute cool. comeback, down 3-1 a half, Dan, and 1-4-3 right at the dead of the whistle. So, uh, look, the women played midweek. The women play this weekend. There's, I think, two youth matches the men play. Good luck. Chelsea don't stop, man. Chelsea does not
2: stop. There's a men's international break, and the women are playing. There's a women's international break, the men are playing. The Academy almost always playing. It just does not end. And that's why we're here. And that's why Jake made the walk across the street from the Academy to the first team to join us. And it was fun. Didn't You enjoyed this, right, Jake? Third choice host.
3: It's good to be Fourth back choice host. in action. Fourth, fifth, sixth, twelfth. Whatever the he number has them is. All. He's just happy <laughs> to be <laughs> down. here.
0: Just just really happy to be here. <laughs> Having um, a blast. It's it's, it's going to be good. Um, look, I think a lot of Chelsea fans are going to go to this one with mixed emotions. Uh, probably expecting a big result, but still a little bit deflated coming off the, the back-to-back losses. So it's important. Um, I think it's important to get back on track, is what we kind of said in a three-word match of preview. And uh, it's important from a momentum play, especially if we were to not pick up maximum points and then have to hit another international break Dan, I just feel like that's just going to weigh heavy and the fans it's going to sit and feel icky for the entire break as well, before we get back to playing games. So I, I just think from a mental and a momentum standpoint, three points is an absolutely necessary uh, result in this one.
2: I can't do an international break where we go in two losses and a draw or three losses in a row because the, narrative function of everybody's mental model is going to be too negative to bear. It will definitely be a forced internet sabbatical if that is the case.
3: Yeah, I'm leaving Twitter if that happens. I'm sorry, any of my Twitter friends. I got to go if that's going down. Uh, But we're going to win, so it's okay. It's not going to happen. I I told told you two before this, I'm not worried. I'm not sweating it. You know, maybe if we lose this one, I'm freaking out a little bit, but we're not going to. Okay. Jake,
0: Jake's googling. How do you mute your entire timeline?
3: Yeah, no, I, <laughs> I, uh, I had my fill today with the uh, Tuchel talk. No more Tuchel slander. I won't have it. Damn it's,
0: it! It's a bit. It's a bit early for that. So, anyways, hey, that's gonna wrap us up. Again, match on Saturday. We'll be back uh, with our review on Monday. Uh, and Dan, I guess I would just let the people know going into this one that we have a shit ton of content over the break that they have nothing to worry about.
2: Yeah, we've got, we've got plans. We have additional episodes we want to record. We've got another Tinkerman episode coming out. We've got gosh, more Chelsea women's content. We've got season updates. It's everything. We're all over the place. So
0: yeah, just keep posted to your feed. Love it. All right. Well, the content doesn't stop. We have to keep putting Jake through college on our on our own so uh jake you're doing sure. great keep it up sir
3: appreciate it
0: all right Damn anyways and that's gonna wrap us up for this one chelsea fans uh but until next time you know what to do keep the blue flag flying high uh.